0: This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA TOUR Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA TOUR Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATOURSUPERSTORE.COM. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Bill Bergen. And let me remind you about Bill's background. Played his college golf at Auburn University from 1978 to 1981 and was named a first team all SEC player every year and he helped Auburn win the 1981 SEC Championship. His 65 during the 1979 Pan American Tournament still ranks as one of the lowest 18-hole scores in Auburn golf history. played in over 250 professional tournaments worldwide, including three U.S. Opens, two Open Championships, and over 50 PGA Tour events. He's now recognized as one of the top golf course designers in the world. He started his own design business. It's called Bergen Golf Designs, and you can check them out online at uh, bergengolf.com. He's involved in over 70 golf course design projects, and he's got some renovations going on as well, some very close to me here in Atlanta. And I'm very excited to have Bill back on the show with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Bill. Thanks for joining me tonight, my friend. Hey, Chris.
1: It's always good to be with you.
0: I appreciate you. So... Bill, like I say in your intro, you've got so many great projects in the works and some that you've recently completed. I wanted to start by getting an update on a course that I'm dying to play, and that's the Macklemore up there outside of Chattanooga, the one you uh, collaborated with Reese Jones on. So talk about how uh, that course is coming and uh, when the grand opening is going to be.
1: Well, Chris, that date is coming soon. It is June 22nd, and we are more than excited. This is a really dramatic, exciting piece of property, and we are Thrilled to show it off and of note it's you know it's a beautiful golf course it sits up on lookout mountain so if you picture a a, this mountain plateau that's relatively i I can't call it flat because it's not but you're up on top of this ridge you look down a thousand feet to macklemore cove and our golf course sits up on top of that and it is just an amazing rocky rugged piece of property very natural and um you know, an exciting place to just go for a walk, much less play golf. So we are really excited to show it off. June 22nd will be the day. Reese Jones will be in town uh, and Steve Weiser as well. So the three of us will be um, having some fun that day.
0: And Bill, you've got another course that's even closer to me here in Atlanta, Dalton Golf and Country Club that you're working on. Talk about what's going on there.
1: Well, that's uh, funny you ask because I was actually just working on that one.
0: And um, Dalton is an
1: exciting project for me personally. I won the Georgia Amateur there in 1981, so I have a history with the club. And to be able to go back and work on a course that I have, you know, fond memories of and have had success on is really exciting, and it's a great responsibility as well. But it's one of those sites that it's 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 old school golf in that. There, there aren't really houses on the golf course. It's sort of a rectangular piece of property with, with nothing but golf. It has some nice ponds and some streams that run through it. And otherwise, it's just that ideal site where you get to do old school golf. And the car originated in 1915. Now, on this site, it was built probably around 1970. Um, but we're going to make it look like it was 1915 on this site. We're going to take it way back and, and do old school design. Uh we've got the property for it and we have the appetite for it and we have the history for it. So we're gonna we're gonna transform Belton Country Club, take it back as far as the way it looks, but we're gonna, you know, obviously bring it into the twenty first century as far as maintenance and equipment and all of that kind of stuff. We want it to function like a modern golf course but play like an old one. So when will that be ready? So we just got approval. Uh, the members just voted to, to do the project. I am working on grading plans as we speak, uh, getting ready to, you know, we do grading plans and drainage plans and cut and fill plans and irrigation plans and all of that. All of that's happening this summer. We will take it for bid and permitting um, towards the middle to late end of summer, and we will start construction early next spring, sometime after the first year. Uh, and then it will be scheduled for reopening around September of 2020. We want to be, you know, one of those courses that's thought of, you know, throughout the state of Georgia. And Georgia has some great golf. And, um, Dalton's got such a good history. It's one of the, um, original clubs from, from 1915. And we just want to, you know, I can't wait to have the Georgia Amateur come back there, um, you know, several years after we finish this project. That will be very rewarding for me to see the young guys going after uh, the state championship trophy uh, on that course again.
0: And, Bill, you mentioned old school golf. Now, with the PGA Championship being played at Bethpage Black, you know, week before last, and it's a great Tillinghast design, you've done some renovation at another Tillinghast course, Oaks Country Club out in Tulsa. Talk about that and what it's like to come in to do some renovation work on a course designed by a legend like Tillinghast.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I've been fortunate to work on about, about four different, um, classic or golden age architects from Ross, Tillinghast, Rayner, and recently William Langford. And so, you know, to work on these, you know, they're practically masterpieces when you think about it because of the history. All these clubs are a hundred years old or so. And so it's a big responsibility on, on each of those except for the Rayner, somebody else had already renovated the course extensively and so the historical aspects have been changed um, dramatically and so our job was to go back and and, and restore it um, not a perfect restoration because green speeds today are completely different from what they were back then but I took the I took the renovation plans at the Oaks that Mark Hayes had done um, and I, I I didn't really look at what he did. I looked at his base topo because his base topo were Tillinghast greens. And so I copied the base topo off of each of, each of those plans and, and basically drew greens plans that reflected what Tillinghast had. But then I adjusted the contour to fit with where we could run the greens at, you know, 12 or 13 on the stem meter instead of six or seven. So I made mean, it literally that dramatic, um, a, a difference. And then we looked at fairway widths and bunker positioning and, you know, in, on today's modern course, there's cart paths in the wrong place. And back then, they didn't have any cart paths. So it's, it's, it's fun to really look back at the old aerial photographs and learn as much as you can about, about these projects and then bring them, um, bring them to the club, um, in today's time. And, and the nice thing about the Oaks, they now have a waiting list and they've never had a waiting list to join their club in history. And so that's, that's a really, uh, a, a great testament to, one, this Tillinghast property, and two, the work that we did to to bring it to life.
0: So take that a step further, Bill. And as you mentioned, you know, looking at aerial photos, what's the process? How do you go back and make sure that you're doing justice to the original design to as much as you possibly can based on, as you say, you got to do something to modernize them a bit? But how do you make sure that you're being right. true to what Tillinghast and some of those other guys really intended the course to look like? So Tillinghast was probably the most versatile or diverse
1: architect in the golden age. In other words, his courses did not all look alike. You know, you can tell a McKenzie golf course, you can tell a Ross course, you can, you know, this Langford I just did, you can tell Rainer and McDonald's, you can tell their golf courses. Tillinghast had a, had a much wider variety. He had three basic bunker styles that he used on on different courses. And I was fortunate when I was in college at Auburn, I played in the U.S. Open at Raw in 1980. And that was my first Tillinghast experience, or at least that I remember. And and so in doing research, because I knew Baltus Rall, I decided to, to do as much history searching as I could. And I looked at old photographs of Wingfoot, Baltus Rawl, Craig Quaker Ridge, all, a ton of Tillinghast golf courses. I looked at the bunkers and looked at the style of the golf courses and said, OK, this is what I would like to do here at the Oaks. And the member's. Uh, respected that, and they bought in completely that, that this is what we would do. And then we restored fairway widths, but we didn't do it exactly like it was. Um, we took most of the the big concepts, other than the the, the great the great desert that Tillinghast often had a, a big bunker complex that crossed a fairway. We did not do that at the Oaks, uh, and we didn't see evidence of one either. So uh, in the old in the old aerials, so we didn't see that they had one, but. Um, that's something you'll see like on the 17th hole at Baltimore, for example.
0: So, Bill, in the way we talk with reverence about great golf course designers like a Tillinghast or a Robert Trent Jones or a Tom Fazio, a Donald Ross or even Alistair McKenzie, very soon, Bill Bergen is going to be on that list. So you've got a great legacy going already, and I'm sure it's just going to you know, build throughout the rest of your career. Do you ever let that sort of set in? And, you know, realize the impact that you're making on the game of golf, not just now for the renovations and the, and the courses that you're in the process of building, but the impact that you're leaving behind and the legacy that you are leaving behind for generations of golfers to come.
1: You know, in the early days, I certainly did not think about that, Chris. But now I've been in business for 25 years with my own company. So that's a milestone right there. And, and, then, and now we're working on better and better projects. Um, we're getting to work on some of the top projects in the southeast. And even Minnesota, Oklahoma, and we're starting to branch out, uh, more than just, I'm going to Arkansas next week to look at a project. So we're, we're starting to go more places. Um, but to work on these historical projects is really exciting. And then, of course, you know, I've got some new courses out there too. And the Macklemore course, um, we have the possibility of a future brand new golf course up there as well to go with the one we already have. So, so that would be, um, you know, something that would be really exciting. And then, Right now we're doing five courses in the mountains and one at the beach, not to mention Dalton and some other projects. So we're, we're. Um, somebody was kidding with me that I've kind of got Western North Carolina wrapped up, but
0: the truth is Tom Fazio has <laughs> got a lot of that as well. So Bill, when you're doing an original course design, when you're laying it out and trying to figure out, you know, the distance of holes and what that's all going to look like, is 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 there a goal for you to make sure that a player is tested throughout? his or her bag like you want to make sure that you know hey they're going to have to hit you know driver three wood they're going to have to hit a long iron to get into this par 4 they're going to have to hit a short one here they're going to have to play it left or right and right to left so that we sort of get through all of our bag and all of our shots in order to you know play successfully on one of your designs
1: absolutely that's certainly the goal but the land's telling you what to do and so um you know the first thing you're doing is you're you're looking at a topo map and you're deciding okay here are some holes that, that that really speak to me on, on the topo map. That, you know, you're looking at it three-dimensionally. It's coming to life, and you're saying, this is a great area. I'm going to start here. And and you're basically putting together a 20-piece puzzle. You've got 18 holes. You have a clubhouse area. You have practice facilities, and you may have real estate as well. And so you've got a lot of components that are going into that, but but you're exactly right. I am way uh, in, interested in, in club selection diversity, I don't believe in overall yardage as much as I believe in that diversity. I want a short par three. I want a couple middle length par threes. I'd like one long one. I want two or three good long par fours on a golf course. I mean, Chattanooga is one of our favorite. It's Ross that we redid. And it's a little bitty golf course, only about 6,700 yards. But we have two par fours over 470 yards. And so those really stand the test. But we also have two par fours under 320 yards. So that, that takes yardage away. We have a hundred and twenty five yard par three and a two hundred and twenty five yard par three. So again, I like yardage diversity. I don't want you to just hitting driver nine iron on every par four. I want you to test it on a few and I want to I want I want to give you opportunities. I really feel like the best courses have this basic flow between opportunities and challenges. And you've got to take advantage of those opportunities because you are going to be challenged at some point during the round.
0: Well, a couple more before I let you go. And you talk about distances and diversity and that sort of thing. Well, you've seen the performance of the golf ball evolve over the years. And I love one of the recent tweets that you put out when you found an old Dunlop blue dot golf ball on uh, one of your job sites. Talk about that and what it was like playing those golf balls versus today's golf ball.
1: You know, it's funny. We put that ball on on the ground on our office and hit a couple of chip shots with it. And if you if you hit a golf ball, one of the old balls, with a wooden club or even even with an iron, it sounds like you're hitting a bar of soap. And today's balls are so loud, and um and, you know there's just no comparison to what you know. I don't think people that that are playing today can even imagine what it's like. I know our golf coach at Auburn University at one point had taken out I don't know where he got the of balls, but he took out some of balls and, and took out an old set of clubs. And the first hole at Auburn, the young guys can probably hit three wood and eight or nine irons would be how they'd play the hole. And with wooden club and a lot of ball, I think they were hitting driver four irons. So just, wow. a completely different, just a completely different game. And so, you know, the, the, the equipment, the, certainly the ball um, makes a huge difference. And then when you're swinging a 45-inch driver versus a 43-inch driver, you're simply going to hit it farther. And they couldn't make a 45-inch driver in 1980 that you really could control consistently. It was too heavy. Um, It just didn't have the materials that they have today that that are so good. And so, and plus, you remember what those heads looked like. They were were tiny, so Uh, quite a difference. But golf is still a hard game, and it's still a great game, and people, you know, love playing. But um, it is hard to design for today's college or elite player or professional simply because they hit it so far. Um, you know, it was great to see Colonial this week, Kevin Da, not necessarily a long hitter, on an old school golf course. Uh, got the job done and, and really, really played great.
0: Bill, I wanna I wanna get uh, your thoughts. I know you're doing some work with Jason Duffner to help provide meals to kids in the Auburn, Alabama area. Talk about what you guys are doing together.
1: Well, that's Jason Steele. So he has done an amazing thing. He started a foundation that feeds hungry kids at school, and he feeds, oh, I don't know if it's 10 or 15. I don't have the stats, but I participated in, in an event that he had, and I was really glad to do so and look forward to doing it again next year and contributing to this. But he raised $150,000 in one day, and he had guys like Matt Kutcher there, and Billy Horsell was there, and Ricky Fowler was there, and this was a fantastic event that I just was a participant and really enjoyed it. I actually got to play with Jason though. So that was fun because I spent, you know, four and a half or five hours or whatever that was with him and learned about this. But, but what a great thing that he's doing. And, um, right after that, after playing with us, he went up to Quail Hollow and, and, and made a good run at trying to win the golf tournament. I think he finished in the top five, which was his best event for the year. So. He's um he's working on his game. He always hits it great. He needs to needs to get the ball in the hole and uh, a little quicker, a few less shots, and he, he'll be fine.
0: Bill, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing, whether it's on your uh, website or it's following you on social media.
1: Yeah, well, you know we're really active on social media. We share our projects. We we show progress um, shots all the time of what's happening, and it's sort of you get a little education about golf course design, but but um bergengolf.com is our website, and then we're on, on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and, and just, just Google Bergen Golf, and you'll find us. Um, because, it's it's you know, people enjoy golf, they enjoy the pictures, and, and we're getting to work in some beautiful places. And uh, tomorrow we're heading up to Roaring Cap, North Carolina. We're leaving this 90-degree weather, and it's going to be nice and cool and no humidity up there. So um, that will be a really nice thing.
0: Ah, good for you. Bill, thank you so much from taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. Always have such a great time spending time with you. Hope you'll come back and join my me pl- again. M- give us an update again soon. My
1: pleasure, Chris. And I need to get you up to Macklemore. That's a uh, really, again, an exciting place. And we can't wait for June 22nd.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about it, too. So I look forward to the opportunity playing there. So uh, I appreciate you very much, Bill. Thank you for your time, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Bye. See you, Bill. That is a great Bill Bergen again, Bergen is the name of his website. And you can follow him on Twitter and on Instagram at Bill uh, at uh, Bergen golf as well. So I tell you what folks, I, I, you know, he sort of underplayed uh, if you can imagine how beautiful Macklemore is and he was, you know, gave it you know some glowing remarks. Well, I tell you what, if you go on that site and check it out to see what it actually looks like and the views he talked about, the views, I mean, it's spectacular. Like you said, you know, it's, it's amazing just to be able to walk out there. And then to think you get to play golf out there as well. It's absolutely outstanding. I, I can't, I can't encourage you highly enough to check out what that golf course looks like opening June 22nd, right outside of Chattanooga. Um, boy, I'm just, you know, hopefully uh, I get the opportunity to get up there and check it out because uh, it looks like just an absolutely
1: spectacular golf course.